Sachin. Hey Dinkar, how are you doing? Good. And I want to start with a very interesting news. Um, okay. So it's probably uh, uh, reflective of uh, the uh, growth of this uh, podcast, so as to say, and the interest that we keep on uh, receiving on it. So now we are genuinely a podcast till today. We were a YouTube channel. But now we are a podcast and uh, it's available on Apple Podcast. It's available on Google Podcast. It's available on um, uh, iHeart, uh, which is home of stuff you should know. And uh, it, it's, of course, available on Spotify also. So essentially what I did was I took a service. Uh, they You upload the audio there. And uh, then they publish it to all the popular podcast services. So that, that made life very easy. Absolutely. Congratulations to all of us. Yeah, and uh, whatever uh, small community we are nurturing about this, it's, it's just fantastic. So excited yeah. to be here. Uh, in the same vein, there is also a new news about uh, ebo.org. Uh, the site is eebo.org. And I think uh, this is a great opportunity for us to also talk about that site in this particular podcast. We have been talking about engineering excellence. We have been talking about business outcomes and the linkage between them. But now, finally, a site where people can consume it online, offline, and uh, read about it. Uh, so it is a fantastic thing. And this is like all you did. You published it, which was fantastic. Thank you so much. But... Um, do, would you like to talk about um, uh, Ibo and I? I know you also spoke to some external uh, audience about this. So how did it came about? Uh, where do you think this is going with it? And uh, like, let's try to unpack it a little bit. Right. So, uh, you know, Ibo, um, as the acronym uh, suggests, uh, engineering excellence to business outcomes. Um, these uh, are set of metrics um, that not only give you an, a very good idea of where your engineering excellence, where you are on your journey to engineering excellence, but also give you an idea that how are they correlating to the outcomes, the business outcomes, right? And it kind of creates a line of sight. Uh, we have uh, in our jobs, uh, we uh, do talk about uh, this a lot. Uh, we talk a lot about this to um, our clients. We talk a lot uh, about this in our, uh, you know, within our organization. Uh, but I wanted to share it um, kind of beyond. So we kind of, this became the house for sharing that uh, knowledge. And uh, I have been sharing over LinkedIn uh, bits and pieces about uh, the concept of uh, ebometrics, and I think it's kind of come together. Um, hmm. And uh, let me quickly um, uh, kind of uh, start talking about it, right? So, so uh, in, just to, yeah, just to sorry, interrupt, uh, for the people who are only listening to this podcast, uh, the site is eebo.org, ebo.org. Yeah, continue, Dinkar, please. You're doing a great job of keeping our new uh, podcast <laughs> audience in mind. I, I keep forgetting we're no longer just a YouTube channel, right? So we Absolutely. need to, yeah. Uh, so uh, 
engineering excellence is a very important uh, goal for any head of uh, technology, be it VP of engineering, uh, anyone who's responsible for outcomes uh, of that engineering team, the IT organization, right? Now, what happens is that uh, if you're focusing on something and you want to improve the uh, capability of your team, all this implies is that you will need to invest. Uh, you will need to invest in the team. Uh, you will need to invest in certain tools and everything, right? So in order to talk about the investment, right, uh, everyone who's funding something wants to know what is the ROI and what is the outcome out of it? What is the business outcome out of this investment, right? Uh, and that is where I think these EBOS metrics come into picture. There's a great analogy, right? You may ha be having the best car. You may be on the best highway. Uh, you may have the best fuel and you're all fresh and you're just speeding towards your destination. But you could be going, instead of going from Bangalore to Mysore, uh, you could actually be driving from Bangalore to Chikmangalur, right? How do you know? And that's where... Um, having that clarity that what is the outcome, what is that destination I'm driving towards becomes very important. And we have seen this uh, such in so many cases that people are investing in certain aspect of engineering excellence without ever stepping back and analyzing that, is this all this investment and effort, does it really lead to an important outcome or not? So it's very important to not only just focus on the excellence, but also juxtaposition that with the outcome. So it's very clear that you know where you're going, where your destination is, and how far you have reached there. So with that in mind, um, that is the difference between Evo metrics and any other metrics that people uh, refer to. And the reason I have, you know, the you give something a label, you give something a name, if it um, you know, if it's like a product, um, it has some constituents, it has a purpose, and it brings value to something. So what we have done is there are certain metrics around which we have drawn dotted lines. There's a cert certain layout, if you may uh, uh, allow me to say that, of these metrics. Um, we have created a dotted line around it. So these are some very opinionated uh, items. Uh, that we have listed, and that's why we're calling them EBO metrics rather than hey, use metric A, B, C, D, and 4K metrics. Fantastic. So, Dinkar, uh, uh, I have seen a lot of metrics, and people typically have only few. But you are, we have been talking about this as a philosophy. Um, right. And um, the closest example is 4K metrics, it is four metrics, right? Um, the law of small numbers also is in favor of such small metrics. Do you think by making an acronym, um, we are making it difficult for people to understand? Hmm. So that, that's a very interesting question. I, I don't know, you know, if it sticks, it sticks. If it doesn't stick, you know, we, we'll rename, uh, you know, it's it's a simple uh, Linux command, uh, MVEBO to something, something new, right? The, the idea is, uh, you know, four, 4K metric for me is a label, like four is kind of uh, important component there, right? Uh, we could have done 11K metrics, we could have done something else, but I think, what the key message there was that these four are your key metrics. And in our case, what the key message is that 
these are engineering excellence to business outcome that is a you know number of metrics does not matter is it engineering is it business does not matter uh, the 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 name kind of encapsulates that engineering excellence to business outcome right that's so let, let's see point. how it uh, does right yeah so that's a very good point I, I do want to call out certain benefits of this approach uh, having a limited set of metrics that are uh, giving you a line of sight from engineering excellence to business outcome. So one thing, the first one that I kind of alluded at is that uh, EBO metrics as, act as a very clear value articulation um, of the benefit of engineering excellence, right? Um, engineering excellence um, does result in better business outcomes. It does result in better product. What EBO metrics can do is create evidence of that and make it very simple for someone to say, as my excellence, as my engineering team were performing better, the business was benefiting. That's one advantage of this kind of uh, approach, right? The other thing is, you know, um, they uh, uh, provide guardrails for long-running programs by acting as a fitness metric. This phrase, fitness metric, I'm kind of borrowing from the book uh, by um, Rebecca uh, Parsons, who is CTO of ThoughtWorks, Neil Ford, uh, Luminary at ThoughtWorks. Uh, they, they kind of came up with this uh, fitness functions, right? The whole idea was that you write these fitness functions, which keep on testing an um, algorithm. Over a period of time, you know, it kind of ensures that the algorithm still uh, uh, delivers the outcome it was expected. And what we're saying here is, once you have said that in my program, I want this kind of excellence, I want this kind of uh, output. Many times what happens is uh, in the beginning, the people who envisioned it, the people who were the driving force, they're part of the program, but people move out. Mm -hmm. People, new people come in, in large organizations. It happens a little more frequently. And many times the vision goes with them. And what is left is a long list of tasks to be done. RAG uh, statuses to be shown, governance to be done. The vision goes away. The, the, the parameters of success kind of dissipate. What this these kind of metrics can do is they can provide that guardrail that you are on track to that vision. You're on track on that promise of excellence and delivery of that business outcome. And third one is, you know, for a, many times for a developer, who may not be that up and up with all the business updates. And uh, many times, you know, those information don't also percolate uh, within the gossip channels of the organization. It gives each member a clarity, right? Every developer that if I check in this code, if this is my lead time, if this is the, 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 the code that I'm writing has this kind of, uh, you know, a security baked in, how does it um, actually go? and deliver that final benefit in form of the product's revenue or the benefit to the organization. It makes it very clear for every participant that what is the value the, they are bringing into this game. I think this approach brings these very important uh, benefits. Brilliant, uh, yeah. Yeah. The next one I want to talk about is how to use them, right? So, um, you know, uh, it, it's very important given that they are limited in number, given that uh, they are uh, giving you an idea about the excellence of your team. The first thing that I mentioned also was that uh, your EBO metrics should say that you have left Bangalore 
you have to go towards Mysore, not Chikmagalur, or vice versa. I I prefer going towards mountains. So you're uh, you know so you know if if somehow you're going in the opposite direction, it helps you identify misalignment with those outcomes. That's a very uh, important way uh, reason to use them. The other is to use them as information radiators. What that means is that let the whole team know, right? And this becomes very important in today's uh, hybrid scenario. One of our colleagues is writing a book on it. Uh, the, you know, the whole hybrid scenario where people are at different locations, distributed scenarios. People are in different locations. They're looking at screens at different times, right? Uh, they have different kind of form factor of screens they're using, right? So the traditional way of putting up a large TV screen in the office is not going to work all the time, right? So you have this dashboard, which is available to every team member, and it can act as an information radiator that, you know, this is where we are on our journey to excellence, and this is how it is helping with the business outcomes. I think these are two very uh, important uh, ways to use these. And the moment I talk about usage, I also worry about certain anti-patterns, how people may end up using it. Um, and I hope that it's not used in for that, right? One of my nightmares is that um, uh, a metric, uh, you know, I, I, uh, a little digression. Whenever I talk to a client or someone who's asking me for suggestions about metrics, the first thing I start doing with them is start calculating the cost of each metric. Hey, this metric, sure, um, maybe we'll need a couple of people for some metrics need some calculation, they need some algorithm. They, sometime it will take them one sprint, sometime it will take them one day, sounds fair. Then you will use this tool, this will have an infra cost, then it will have to be maintained and over a period of time. So everything has a cost. And what the first thing I do with that uh, person is figure out the cost of each metric. And then I say, okay, now every time you come and ask this, remember that this is not just a cost on today. It's a continuous cost that you have now incurring. So be very careful about, can I have this metric? Can I have that metric? Can we do this? Can we add that, right? And, um, you know, and that kind of leads to a large set of um, metrics. But before that, the, the one which is kind of highlighted on the screen also is, um, don't use these metrics to do drill downs and go into specific scenarios or look for that specific person who screwed up or that uh, you know bottlenecks. It, it's not meant for those those there are different tools to figure out those scenarios and bottlenecks. It's never useful to blame anyone. Use Evo metrics to figure out, oh my God, we are misaligned somewhere some, excellence metric is not very working very well. Let me go to that specific tool or that specific flow or that specific team and try to understand what went wrong. These metrics are not for slicing and dicing. The other thing that I was kind of mentioning earlier also is, uh, you know, many times what happens is as in a large program, right? What I've noticed is that in some way, such and it starts reflecting the Conway's law. So Conway's law traditionally uh, says that uh, the product you design or the way you are building product slowly starts resembling how your organization is structured. Because what happens is, oh, we have a team for engineering, we have a team for QA, we have a team for DevOps, we have a team for this, we have a team for that. 
so the team then devops team becomes something else and and suddenly the way you are organized the way your product is organized starts reflecting that right and the and the reason for that is that in large organizations you have to break create departments but the flip side is that your product and your ways of working now have these artificial um you know uh, bubbles inside them and in inverse case leading to silos right and that's why cross functional team as a concept became so popular my worry is that metrics are also kind of falling oh for team b these are five metrics team c your devops team these are your 4k metrics engineering team these are your metrics qa team these are how many bugs you have found um and you know this team all and suddenly you're you know you're looking at all of so many metrics and what happens logically is people start looking at reds okay let me focus hmm. on the red and suddenly what happens is that whole team management becomes a crisis management you know and you're just focusing on fixing what is red you don't think about why is something green maybe something is green today maybe it will go red tomorrow if you don't focus uh, on everything right that's why having so many metrics so many things does not work so anti patterns um ibo metrics being used for slicing and dicing don't do that uh, second anti pattern ibo metrics scheme becoming grow becoming larger and larger set just to reflect your teams and you know components don't do that these are very big uh, anti patterns now uh, having uh, yeah uh, so one thing to add there dinkar is um also the uh, which is not highlighted uh, into these slides but our human nature of whenever we put something out that is visible and that creates psychological insecurity in people's mind in terms of like it's like um lot of people do not want to post their uh, like performance numbers outside because they feel that some people will judge and then yeah. make an opinion about that and uh, i am not saying everybody but there is a small portion of people i have seen that they don't feel comfortable to put out some numbers unless it puts their team in good light rather than being honest about their numbers i can give an example is that with ebo metrics we were talking about uh, uh, a team and they had nothing to measure except one metric and they were very hesitant to put this out they were like it's not even worth putting that out and my point to them was you can this one metric which will go out is also indication that you can't measure six other metrics which we decided and that itself is a, a progress where you are standing today your inability as team to measure these six other metrics and if you be honest you will go and fix those steps to make those metrics visible and then go from there and um, my one anti pattern which i would like to highlight and which is not broadly touched upon here is be very honest with these metrics the mm-hmm. goal is as and you touched upon into one part which is like every team member knows what is the reality right, right. if they are they are aware of reality and they are honest with them the whole team can actually make wonders so yeah. uh, the anti pattern is anything is like fine just start somewhere go about it even if it is one metric that's good enough 
many times we are only thinking about but team wants to do multiple metrics like 20 metrics no uh, if they can't do 20 forget about it they can do one let's start with it and then gradually keep thinking about uh, what is the cost of a metric and then is it worth for us to add here agree yeah and um, now uh, you know so if you look at such metrics um, how, do, how what are these characteristics that can help us uh, identify uh, what are good uh, ibo metrics so one thing we were thinking is, as we were coming up with what are those specific uh, metrics we should put a dotted line around and say that hey, these are the EBO metrics that we recommend. One of the biggest worry was that, uh, you know, there's this thing, the moment um, uh, metric becomes your target, it stops reflecting uh, the outcome and, you know, it kind of creates a myopia towards that, right? So we should pick up a metric that A cannot be gamed right uh, is not uh, easy for someone to go and start tweaking and say that hey look everything is okay and use that metric to uh, you know showcase that everything is okay but in the background 15 other things may not be okay <laughs> so one thing that we uh, ensured was that um, these metrics should be multivariate means uh, they are derived uh, from multiple metrics right they represent culmination of multiple metrics what that does is that in order for these ebo metrics to perform better that means so many other metrics and things have to fall into place only then these metrics will perform better that ensures that there is a holisticness to each metric and it's very difficult to gain them absolutely the second, and yeah and dinkar you have uh... some experience here yeah I know you you used to call the word which I searched actually uh, offline, but the vanity metric is not used here. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, um, the first point he he articulated into complex words, but essentially your metrics can't be vanity metrics. So yeah. make sure that the, these metrics are going to stand the test of time. And if yeah. you if you want to explain these metrics, they are difficult to game and they actually denote value. If that goes up, it should actually impact you positively. Agree. Yeah. So the uh, next thing what we thought was that uh, these uh, metrics have to be little meta in nature. Means they should uh, measure something which is about uh, the flow of uh, the program, ways of working, uh, the way the product works, right? It shouldn't be um, how many sales have happened. Because that is not meta. It could well be that how many times uh, was the flow in the sales process getting blocked because of various reasons, right? Um, Non-availability of something, someone not, not knowing what to do, some component not being available, right? So it has to be a little meta in nature. And finally, it shouldn't be something that <laughs> requires a PhD or requires a manual to understand. They should be very easily understood by everyone. Uh, who is going to look at it uh, and whose uh, contributions will ultimately contribute to this. So when we looked at uh, these things, right, uh, what are the benefits uh, we expect, uh, how we want it to be used, how we don't want it to be used, what are the characteristics, um, and uh, such and we kind of uh, a structure emerged, right? And uh, I would request you to talk a bit about this structure as you know, the, the first instance of this was uh, captured by you. 
absolutely so uh, for people who are not listening to this uh, sorry not uh, viewing to this and listening to this uh, i am trying to show a diagram where um, from left to right i show the journey of metrics into three categories and these three categories are excellence in software development excellence in deployment into production and progress towards desired business outcomes and uh, how i came about all of this is essentially all my life i have seen we tracking only engineering met metrics or excellence in software development metrics and there are about 50 of them um there are various tools there are code coverage tools there are ci cd pipelines there are tools like sonar cube and we do not have any shortage of number of metrics which you can uh, create based on a code base and add that to github and you get insights into how many lines of commit what is average size of commit how many commits happened last week who made how many commits and all sorts of volumetric uh, metrics which give you a false sense of security that somebody is actually delivering value now the second bucket is excellence into deployment into production and uh, there is a dotted line where all these four key metrics sit the deployment frequency mean time to restore change fill percentage lead time because these come into life only when something is in production if it is not in production these metrics are very um non indicative of what is reality so if you add these metrics the middle part they give you real cool value into giving you the software delivery performance of your system so think about how fast you are getting software into production and how stable it is how performant it is that type of numbers but yet combining engineering excellence and even excellence into software deployment to production it is not indicating whether it met the customer demands you may be great on software development metric your test coverage is great you are actually small uh, 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 batches and then commits are great your ranking in sonar cube is really nice all of that is fantastic you are you are deploying fast enough to production mean time to restore is great it is a very stable system and your lead time is low your team is cranking out features and putting it to production but none of these metrics indicate whether you are reaching to uh, the ultimate goal of why you commissioned this program which is uh, the business outcome i want to sell more uh, software or i want to reduce the amount of time required for people to book something and these are what we are calling business outcome metrics and uh, this is the third bucket which is about progress towards desired business outcomes and we are interested in looking at all these three buckets do not focus on only one bucket and feel good about it but you need to plot this picture in a holistic manner and then have this access to all engineering teams product teams so that they can contextualize this and ask questions to each other hold a dialogue so uh, the structure of evo metric is in a nutshell three buckets of excellence in software development excellence in deployment into production and progress towards desired business outcomes right so um uh, when we step back and uh, looked at uh, you know this layout so on one hand side uh, there are these metrics which reflect your engineering excellence on other hand are metrics uh, that reflect um, your journey towards desired business outcome and in the middle are metrics which uh, reflect uh, production uh, deployment excellence right 
There was one thing we realized uh, that uh, while coming up with eMometrics for business outcome, it given that the variety of business models, it was very difficult to recommend specific metrics. But what we realized was that it was, on other hand, it was um, possible to recommend categories of those metrics and we'll touch upon that. So what we want to add here is that for this, have some metric for this kind of category of business outcome metrics, have some metric. Now that exact metric may differ uh, based on your business model, your business domain, so on and so forth, but each of the four categories should be covered. So we've been talking about Ebo metrics and uh, we have been uh, talking about uh, their characteristics, how they evolved. So let's go deep into what are these exact uh, metrics. So uh, in the center, connecting um, engineering excellence and business outcome is taking software to production and keeping it available for business. And this, I think uh, the four key metrics uh, that uh, Dora came up with are uh, an excellent set of metrics to represent that phase. On the uh, engineering excellence, um, build failure rate, security warnings, and tech debt are three key metrics that we should follow. Sachin, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, each one of them? Sure. So um, earlier as well, I touched upon, so I'll be brief here. In terms of three uh, key metrics of engineering excellence, we as I mentioned earlier, there are 50 of them, which you can possibly count. But we internally created a, a two by two grid. And we said, uh, what is the value on y-axis, which um, it indicates to the end users. And uh, we are a consulting, we are coming from a consulting company, so our customer. But in every organization, every engineering company, uh, every engineering team, they have a sort of customer. So you need to think about that. And the second axis was basically uh, the metrics complexity. And what we try to find out is which are the most valuable metric which uh, business care about, and it is also less complex. And what came about is three key excellence metrics. And these are build failure rate, security warnings, and technical debt. Uh, I'll start with the simplest one, technical debt. Now, thankfully, Everybody, including even chief product officers who were earlier, uh, first of all, earlier chief product officer role didn't used to exist. But even <laughs> non-technical people. I have a future in the industry. Yeah. <laughs> you you do have. Yeah. So um, in um, even non-technical people are now aware of what is the impact of technical debt, why technical debt, debt is bad. So we want to count it. And there are thankfully a lot of tools available which can plug yourself, uh, plug uh, themselves into um, development workflows itself, and then they can count it. Second is security warnings, where you can use uh, various static analysis tools to figure out what are the security warnings before it goes to even uh, integration environments. And build failure rate, we uh, recommend counting that into development environments so that you can figure out uh, how frequently is build failure. Now, for some people, uh, they might uh, uh, think why you care about it. And the reason why we care about it is if your team is actually sitting on a failure build and committing code, and it is triggering another uh, your CI CD pipeline loop, 
that means they are not attending to the build failures in time. And this is a discipline indicator, not an uh, indicator of quality, but how disciplined is your team. Uh, the middle portion is four key metrics of production. I would not talk a lot about this, but these are very well-known DORA metrics. I believe everybody has uh, read about them. If not, I highly recommend that. And the last one is uh, four key categories of business outcomes. And these are um, basically broad level of categories which we uh, have observed in our experience. These are either improvement in efficiency or effectiveness, improvement in experience, increase in influence, and future sensing. These four categories you can uh, like put on top and start listing for your business, which metric indicate one of these. And if there is a fifth category which we haven't covered, you can add that too. The uh, broad guidelines apply, as Dinkar was earlier mentioning, is do not go crazy about putting 200 metrics here. Um, if you do 200, that's great, but put a ruthless, uh, like two by two grid, which indicates effort or cost and uh, complexity or value, and then try to figure out which ones are the most valuable value indicators for you, and then go about and uh, we we have done one uh, I, I, uh, podcast in the past. I, I don't remember the number. I'll probably link it in the description where we have done a detailed uh, deep dive uh, into each. So uh, when when adopting each of these metrics, definitely there are sensible defaults that uh, one should follow. And uh, we've listed certain uh, sensible defaults, right? The first thing is for each metric, it's very important to have a baseline. Now the baseline, if you are a transformation program, the baseline is what is the metric doing today? So it's very important to measure it uh, if, if you were not measuring it. Or uh, you could measure against uh, your industry, right? In our industry for the product that we're building, this is the baseline that exists. And it's very important to know that baseline. So if you're below that baseline, the first goal is to achieve that baseline and then to excel. And if you're somewhere around it, then it's important to excel to it. That, that's the first sensible default uh, for using EBO metrics is figure out what are the baselines, right? The second thing is have a very clear idea about what the success criteria is. What is the target that I'm achieving, right? It's very important to know that. And on the flip side, and this is something that people don't do naturally, is to figure out, call out what is that failure threshold mm -hmm. where I will say things have gone wrong beyond repair. I either need to pivot or I need to terminate. And this is, this is that singular place where startup building a same product versus an enterprise building a same product can make a difference. The yeah. way startups hands down beat enterprises in creating new products and growing fast is because they are ruthlessly looking at failure thresholds. They're pivoting ruthlessly. They're even terminating things ruthlessly. Wherein an enterprise, it becomes very difficult, becomes very political a conversation. And there's that sunk cost fallacy. Let me put some money, more money into it and see if I can fix it, right? So if you have this failure threshold thought of beforehand, when that when the metric sinks to that level, 
at that time, you know that this is a time when we have to come and decide should we pivot or should we terminate. I'll give you an example, right? I ask everyone, uh, hey, what's your success criteria? You know, we have 1 million users coming in and if 100 people, uh, you know, buy uh, the subscription, I'm happy. That's my success metric. So, okay, sounds fair. What if uh, 99 do it? Yeah, sure. No, I'm happy. What if 80 do it? Okay. What if 70 do it? I, okay, still, okay. What if 60 do it? No, something is wrong. I need to go figure out things. Okay, so what if 30 do? No, no, that's too low. What if 20 do? I'll lose my job. That is the failure threshold, right? And it needs to be very clear in the beginning because when things start going wrong, there's a phrase, right? When something starts going wrong, then everything starts going wrong. And when your metrics are not performing, you're under that stress, then things happen. Random suggestions come. Try this, try that. Random decision-making happens. Uh, politics happens. Um, you know, a um, lot of not-so-smart kind of uh, conversations happen. So it's very important to call out the failure threshold and have an understanding that when we reach here, what are the kind of questions we will ask so we can figure out. You know, uh, the other objection, so one objection I have heard is, hey, I don't want to think about that, you know, you know, as if not thinking about failure is the best way to avoid failure, right? Uh, but the, the leaving that aside, the other one I have, uh, uh, you know, um, you know, kind of objection I've heard towards calling this, then what people will try to do, just stay about, do just the sufficient to stay about uh, the failure metric and see, uh, that's that, you know, red mentality. But that happens is when you are looking at 200 metrics and you're seeking where are the red uh, in the rag status, where are the red and ambers and I'll ignore the green. But if you have a limited set and if someone is hovering just above, that will still be very visible and you can figure that out. You can hold those conversations, right? So that becomes very important. Finally, you know, uh, it's always good to talk about metrics. It's always good to talk about, uh, you know, following that metrics, but it's very important to know what to do if a metric is going wrong, right? No knee-jerk reactions, no politics, no blame games. If from the beginning you have some kind of remediation plan on how to handle each metric going bad. And I think uh, at some point, uh, Sachin, maybe there's a... Uh, uh, consulting asset, an asset that you and I have built uh, for ThoughtWorks called uh, ThoughtWorks Polaris. And in some way, it captures a lot of these and maybe we should talk about that at some point. And yes, we should. Uh, it up to users. You know, they're, they're, I don't want to just promote what we have built, but that's a thing. And we, you know, I, uh, there are a lot of tools um, you know, um, open source tools and commercial products that you can use uh, to do all of this. I don't know how many of them have remediation, um, um, you know, plans though, uh, but it's very important to have all of these. And uh, what I also want to do is we, uh, there are, uh, uh, I'll probably share it in the description also. There are some, uh, one, one blog that you wrote, uh, Sachin, on ThoughtWorks Insight and one blog that I wrote on ThoughtWorks Insight. Uh, but uh, these are all public information. So it's not that, uh, you know, you cannot go and access it. Uh, Absolutely. So, yeah. 
and uh, thus um, you know uh, to quick uh, recap uh, sachin uh, ebo metrics are um, a set of metrics that um, talk about engineering excellence and create a line of sight to the business outcomes there is a limited set of metrics we have a strong opinion on what those metrics should be and um, we have we have an opinion we have shared that and we also have an opinion on how to use these metrics how not to use these metrics and when you start using these what should be your first approach what are those sensible defaults so i'm hoping that uh, you know this is of use um it's kind of culmination of a lot of things that we have been talking and uh, would allow to hear uh, feedback from other people on how they have used these or um, if they have some other set of similar metrics that they have used in similar circumstances of other similar outcome absolutely i think this was fantastic inkar uh, i loved it and uh, the site looks fantastic by the way so would love to hear it, feedback it, on it's that it's a it's a free template that i just updated over weekend yeah absolutely <laughs> like that's the joy of internet nowadays right <laughs> so uh, but yeah it looks fantastic let us know about the feedback on evo metrics uh, visit the site and if you have any uh, points to talk about we'd be happy to answer that so uh, thanks uh, thanks everyone thanks sachin bye bye see you thank you have a good weekend bye